Welcome to the First Church Orlando podcast. Here you will find recordings of weekly sermons, devotions, interviews, and seminar recordings from the First United Methodist Church of Orlando. For more information about First Church Orlando, please visit our website at firstchurchorlando.org or follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Now, enjoy the podcast. Our scripture reading this morning comes from the gospel according to John chapter 5, verses 19 and 20. Jesus responded to the Jewish leaders, I assure you that the Son can't do anything by himself except what he sees the Father doing. Whatever the Father does, the Son does likewise. The Father loves the Son and shows him everything that he does. He will show him greater works than these, so that you will marvel. This is the word of God for the people of God. And now, Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of each heart be acceptable and pleasing in your sight, O God, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. I I don't know if you've ever thought this, but every time I watch uh, any of our First Church musicians present to us or lead us in singing, it all just seems so easy. It just seems so effortless for them. Whether it's our modern worship team leading us in contemporary worship, or if it's the ensembles that Linda coordinates for us, or the chancel choir, or the handbells, it just seems so easy, doesn't it? It's deceptive. We, we don't get to see all that goes into preparing and practicing and working through the struggles. In reality, coordinating a group of musicians to present beautiful music is probably something a bit like herding cats. Not an easy job. Of course, the, the, the goal is to get this group of musicians to play or sing the same piece of music, to get everybody playing the same key, to get everybody playing with the same tempo, to start together and finish together. That's the goal. But sometimes one person plays their instrument a little too fast, and maybe another drags a little too slow. Maybe one singer is a little bit off key, and that affects those around them. Maybe somebody plays or sings the wrong note, or maybe two or more. Maybe someone's singing way too loudly, and another, we just need you to sing a little bit more. Maybe somebody comes in at the wrong time or doesn't stop in the right place. Maybe one musician impacts impacts another musician who makes a mistake and then somebody else makes a mistake. And the music itself, if you ever look at any of the, the song sheets or the music sheets they use, the music itself can be complex and requires practice and preparation. And no, we don't always do all the practice and preparation that may be needed. And now, don't get me wrong, this never has happened at First Church, but there are places where there are musicians that actually have egos. Not here, not here, never happened at First Church. But there are musicians out in the world that are a little bit prima donna, if you know what I mean. And they they think they're the most important person on the stage. Like I said, thank goodness not here ever. 
My father-in-law has a, a saying that he likes to use. He talks about getting everybody singing off the same page in the hymnal. He means just trying to get everybody thinking, doing the same thing, coordinating everybody. But that seems pretty obvious, doesn't it? If we're going to sing something, it's pretty good if we're all singing the same song. So who is it that, that gets everybody to coordinate, get everybody on the same page? Well, that's the role of the conductor, or in the case of our modern worship, the, the, the worship leader, or in the case of a marching band, a drum major, getting everybody doing what they're supposed to do. It's often the conductor who selects the music. It's the conductor's job to, to lead rehearsals, preparing the musicians. It's the conductor's job to make sure everybody's in tune and knows what note to sing or play. It, it's the conductor that sets the tempo, as we just saw in the video, with their right hand. It's the conductor that starts everyone and finishes the music piece. It's the conductor that with his left hand conducts the dynamics and the volume or cues corrections that may need to take place as the music progresses or about slowing or speeding up the tempo. It's the conductor. It's the director. It's the leader. It's the pivotal person in the execution of the musical performance, whether they're actually playing or singing or not. In our modern worship service, that person is Aaron Penfield. He rehearses with the band on Thursday night and on Sunday mornings, but then during the service, he's playing and singing along with the band, but he sits strategically so everyone can see him. And even as he's singing and playing, you can see him looking at the museum, the musicians, and they're watching him, and he's nodding approvingly or shaking his head, that's not right, or moving his body so that they understand the tempo that he wants. Just a few minutes ago, we saw Mark Becker lead our handbells. I got to tell you, I can't imagine anything more complex than playing handbells. Just at this end of the table, there's 13 individual bells. And some of the handbell players had more than one bell in their hand. And they're picking them up and putting them down. And sometimes they put them down hard. And sometimes they gently put them against their chest. And Mark is responsible for all of them, making sure they're playing the right bell at the right time, or at least trying to, right, Mark, right? This is the challenge. Jason, of course, uh, leads our chancel choir, often as many as 30 different voices. He works closely with Linda, who always accompanies on the organ or the piano. Sometimes we add the handbell. Sometimes we add the modern worship band. Sometimes we add orchestra. And Jason is responsible for all of them to be part of and doing what they're supposed to do to make beautiful music. The bottom line, here's the bottom line, the image I want you to have. The conductor, the director, the leader has a lot of moving pieces and personalities and gifts and abilities to coordinate and to hold together. I've actually been on both sides of this musically. I've been involved in music really almost my entire life, from school choruses to marching bands to jazz bands to brass ensembles to church choirs and church worship teams. I played the trombone and guitar and percussion. I even thought at one point about majoring in music, and then I realized I'm really not that good. I just like doing it. 
I'm one of those musicians that's like a cat that needs hurting from time to time. I admit it. Not accusing anyone today of anything I'm not guilty of. And then on the other side of the equation, when I was in ninth grade, I got to be the drum major at Winter Park Junior High. Go marching cougars. Linda Palmer even made my first drum major uniform. Did a nice job. I looked really good. It was my job to direct the marching band. In junior high, also, I was the drum major at Edgewater High School my junior and senior years. I had to learn what the video showed, how to direct. I could do it with both hands, but two hands doing different things, that was challenging. They gave me a whistle to get everybody's attention. I learned how to clap, especially loud. I learned how to project my voice across a football field, how to use big arm movements. There was none of that little thing like he showed in the video. I had a big drum major's baton and white gloves so everybody could see my hand. And my job was to get hundreds of middle school or high school musicians out on the field playing the right music together as they marched in circles and formations all across the field. And then 15 minutes later to get them off the field together. It was also my job to make sure we were ready at any moment to play the fight song in the stands when the football team scored. But in the 80s, we didn't have to play it very much. (laughs) The primary challenge I had as drum major, and I suspect Mark would agree, and I suspect Jason would agree, the primary challenge for whoever's directing the music is to get people to pay attention, to get people to watch. If you've ever sung in a choir or a chorus or played in a band, I promise you've heard the director say, will everyone please just watch me? Will you please just look at me? The director will cue you. He'll set the, the, he or she will set the tempo. Please just watch me. Keep your eye on the conductor. And I'll tell you, as a musician, that's not easy because with one eye, you're reading the words and you're watching the music. If you're an instrumentalist, you're also playing your instrument. And with the other eye, you're trying to keep an eye on the conductor. Sometimes musicians get distracted. Maybe one musician feels a little insecure or unsure, and so they don't come in right when they're supposed to. Or maybe somebody's a little overly confident. They don't think they need to watch. But everybody whether professional or volunteer, whether an advanced musician or a beginner, they've got to pay attention to the conductor. Maybe you've heard this. Do you know how many conductors it takes to change a light bulb? Anybody know? Nobody knows because nobody ever watches the conductor. (laughs) Did you teach me that one? Was that yours? Uh, He's not claiming it now. Rowan Williams describes inattention, not paying attention, as the failure to see what is truly there in front of you because your own vision is clouded by self-obsession or self-satisfaction. Williams is obviously talking spiritually about how God works in our lives, and that's really the point of the sermon. We're not really just talking about music, but in the same way that, that that a choir or a symphony might ignore the conductor right in front of them, how often do we ignore God's work, God's movement, God's direction that's right in front of us, right? 
That's the idea today. How do we keep our eyes, our attention focused on the conductor, God? That's our metaphor. And so we have been in a series where music has been our metaphor. We've been looking at different aspects of music as as metaphors, comparisons to how we might live out our spiritual life. Today, the music conductor is our metaphor. Jason, Mark, Linda, Aaron are living metaphors for us today. For God, who is the conductor of our lives. And herein is the spiritual challenge and opportunity. There is a conductor that is leading us and directing us if we have eyes to see and ears to hear, if we will keep our focus on God's leading. Dallas Willard writes, follow Jesus. And if you can find a better way than him, he would be the first to tell you to take it. Now, he's talking about discipleship, but I bet he would let us play with the words, follow Jesus, and if you can find a better conductor, go sing for him or her. Obviously, Dallas Willard doesn't think there's a better example of someone to follow than Jesus. Jesus gives us a unique view into the heart of God. Jesus shows us what it's like to live faithfully in human flesh. In John 1, 18, it says, No one has ever seen God. God, the only Son, who is at the Father's side, has made God known. How do we follow the conductor? By looking at the reflection of the conductor, Jesus, who makes God's leading known to us. Paul said otherwise, that he is the visible image of the invisible God. Theologian Leonardo Boff says, to follow Jesus is to enter his life, take on his kingdom project, be guided by his practice of unconditional love, especially for the poor, and finally suffer the same fate that he suffered. Do you hear the words? To follow, to be guided. It's true musically, it's true spiritually. And in today's scripture reading, Jesus said in John 5, 19, I assure you that the Son can't do anything by himself except what he sees the Father doing. Whatever the Father does, the Son does likewise. Well, that's the example we need, isn't it? How to pay attention to God's leading how to sense when God is moving, and how to will what God wills. So here's the image that I want us to have today as we conclude this series. Imagine that we're the musicians, whether you're musical or not. We are the musicians. Some of us are singers or drummers or instrumentalists. And God is inviting us to join in the great concert of the universe, which includes a a multitude of of sounds and rhythms and harmonies and tempos. And God in Jesus is our conductor. God composed the music. God set the music before us to be part of. God invites us to join in the song. God sets the tempo. God sets the tune. God directs the music of our lives. Our job is to watch to be available, to do what we see God directing us to do. 
But let's get practical for a moment. It's, it's one thing for the handbells to keep their eyes on Mark. It's one thing for the, the choir to keep their eyes on Jason. But, but how do we watch a conductor that we actually can't see with our physical eyes? How do we listen for instructions from the conductor when we can't hear God audibly, at least most of us? Ruth Haley Barton wrote a book on spiritual discernment, which is a process of of making God-led decisions. And in that book, she says, we only see what we're ready to see and even desire to see. How desperately we need practices, experiences, and questions that help us get outside our paradigm so that we can see old realities in new ways. I've noticed that one of the biggest challenges that musicians often have is when they are already familiar with a piece of music, but a new arrangement or a new director wants to do, a new conductor wants to do it a little differently. Maybe a little faster, maybe a little slower, maybe with a little bit of a different tempo. It's hard when we have a preconceived idea of how something is supposed to be. So Barton says we need practices, we need experiences, we need questions that help us get past our old paradigm. So I was thinking, like, how do we find those practices? Maybe we could extend our metaphor not just to the conductor, but to the musicians themselves. How do they prepare themselves to be led by the conductor? First, I think it begins with a choice. One doesn't become a musician by accident. One chooses to become a musician. One chooses to learn how to sing or play an instrument. One chooses to join a band or choir or play the handbells. One chooses whether they practice or not. One chooses whether they show up for rehearsal or not. One chooses whether they place themselves under a director or if they're willing to pay attention to the directions of the conductor. That's all choices. Life is full of choices. We make choices constantly. And our spirituality is also a choice. Living a life of faith is a choice. Tonight I'll be teaching our confirmation class. They are in the process of making a choice of whether they'll become members of this church and profess their faith. We make choices of how we follow God, when we follow God. We make choices of whether we plan to follow our own plans and agendas or whether we seek God's plans to do our own will or to do God's will. C.S. Lewis is famous for saying there are only two kinds of people in the end. Those who say to God, thy will be done, and those to whom God says in the end, thy will be done. So it begins with choice. Second, I think we could learn from our musicians the importance of practicing. Musicians, before they gather for rehearsal, ought to have practiced the music on their own, which involves listening to it and looking over it and trying it. But even professional musicians do more than that. Even professional musicians do more than just practice the music they're about to perform. They always practice the fundamentals. Even professional musicians still practice their scales. 
still play their rudiments, still focus on the basics so they can continue to develop their technique and their tone, and then they work on the music they're about to present so that it's well rehearsed. The more you rehearse privately, the more free you are to watch the conductor when you come together. My biggest shortcoming as a musician, besides my lack of talent, is that I don't like to practice. My guitar, my trombone, and my ukulele sit and collect dust in the corner, and then I try to grab them sometime when I'm going to do something and discover just how rusty I've become. Well, the same thing's true spiritually. We don't know when the challenges might come to us in life where we need to follow God's direction. We don't know when opportunities may arise to, to fulfill a calling or to use our gifts. We don't know. We have to be prepared. That means daily practicing. It means keeping up with the fundamentals of reading Scripture and praying and, and doing spiritual disciplines. This means developing a way that we stay connected and in tune with God. And then finally this. Every good musician that I know or have observed seems to have a keen ability to watch and listen. They don't get so tonal, such tunnel vision just on their music or their instrument, but they're watching. They're watching the conductor. They're listening to what's happening around them. Interesting, Jesus talked a lot about seeing and hearing. He talked about having a spiritual sight and spiritual awareness as we listen, but he also talked about some being spiritually blind and deaf. We need to develop skills for watching for God's movement, for listening for God when God speaks to us. And please hear this. I do believe God speaks. I do believe God leads. I do believe that God is actively present in the world around us. And I do believe God desires to be intimately involved in our lives. That comes from an intentional practice with intent to know and follow God. Do we have eyes to see? Do we have ears to hear? Thomas Burton, a Trappist monk, once wrote, Life is this simple. He's meaning our spiritual lives. Life is this simple. We are living in a world that is absolutely transparent and God is shining through it all the time. This is not just a fable or a nice story. It is true. If we abandon ourselves to God and forget ourselves, we see it sometimes and we see it maybe frequently. God manifests himself everywhere in everything, in people and in things and in nature and in events. It becomes very obvious that God is everywhere and in everything and cannot be without him. You cannot be without God. Hear that again. You cannot be without God. It's impossible. It's simply impossible. So here's the image. Life is a concert. Life is a symphony. And every one of us have been invited to be part of it. And God is both the composer and the conductor. Are you participating? Are you adding your voice? And are you watching? 
are we keeping our eyes on God? Let us pray. And so, Lord, refocus our eyes. Give us eyes to see and ears to hear. Lord, help us to choose you, to make decisions every day, to be people who seek you and seek to be faithful to you. Help us to be people that develop practices and habits that keep us in touch with you. And help us, Lord, to develop spiritual eyes and ears that day by day, moment by moment, we may have an increasing awareness of you within us and around us. And may we be faithful to it. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. We hope you enjoyed the podcast and that you will listen again in the future. If you enjoyed today's message, we hope you'll subscribe to our podcast on your favorite platform and share it with others on social media. For more information about First Church Orlando, please visit our website at firstchurchorlando.org or follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. If this podcast is a valuable resource to you, we invite you to give to this ministry by making a financial contribution at firstchurchorlando.org forward slash give. Now, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace.